G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are recapping the first week of fantasy action. We are back on track with all the podcasts. Let's go! G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at BallBoysNBA and on Instagram at BallBoysFantasyBasketball. Had a bit of a quick break over the weekend. Uh, As you can see behind me, I have been moving places, so apologies for the lack of podcasts over the last few days, but we are hopefully at least set up enough now that we can pump out some pods and get to you and your questions, and all talk about fantasy basketball things. Um, lots have been happening, obviously. I've been very active on Twitter, so hopefully you guys are following me over there, and you've been getting all of my instant reactions, all of my instant advice. So if you aren't, however, I'll say that one again, Ball Boys at sorry, at Ball Boys NBA on Twitter. Um, make sure you guys are following me over there if you want the most up-to-date instant reactions for your fantasy advice, ads, drops, uh, my you know constant shit talking over on on Twitter as well is also part of it, but uh, I guess you're just gonna have to uh, live with that to get the nuggets of good info and advice on there. So follow me over there today. We are going to be doing what I think is going to be a weekly sort of thing that I want to do with the podcast format. A little bit later, normally I would drop a podcast like this on a uh, Monday morning in the US or a Tuesday. Well, no, sorry. Yeah, no, no. Monday morning in the tu- on in the US or a Tuesday night in Australia. I, I probably stuffed that up, but basically after the, the the week, okay. So after the week of games is done, it's a little bit later this uh, week because of my move. But we're going to be going through basically some hot topics, some ads, some drops, some players I'm watching, and also a new uh, little bit in here of fantasy basketball weekly awards. So that is where we're going to be kicking off. Um, the first award that we're going to be doing weekly on this show is the uh, the sweet sweet fantasy basketball award. And uh, this week's awarder, sorry, winner of the Sweet Sweet Fantasy Award is Jason Tatum. So congratulations, Jason Tatum. You are the inaugural uh, winner of the award here. Now, I could have gone a number of different ways here. Now, I've just gone Jason Tatum because he is someone that I um, got a lot of times in drafts. I got him, I think, three times at pick eight. And also, I got him at pick four in the uh, the 30-deep dynasty league that we did for Fantasy Basketball International. So I've got a lot of shares in Jason Tatum. He's obviously a Celtic who is uh, obviously my team. So very, very happy that he's doing really well. I've tried to pick a player here that's started the year very well, but also a player that I don't necessarily think it's unrealistic to think that he's going to continue doing what he's doing for this season. Now, 
So far this year, Jason Tatum is the third-ranked player. Um, He is putting up averages of, if I just pull his stats up right now, he's putting up averages of 32.5 points, 8.3 rebounds, 3.5 assists, under a steal, so 0.8 steals and 1.3 blocks. Uh, He's shooting 55% from the field, 90% from the free-throw line, so awesome, awesome numbers in 37 minutes. Now, There is a degree of this coming down and back to earth. I don't necessarily think he's a 55% shooter, so he might be closer to 50 or the high 40s. I don't think he's going to be blocking 1.3 shots per game, but the rest of it is actually very, very sustainable. I even think the assists at 3.5 have a lot of scope to improve. And one of the biggest things we saw from Tatum last season and why he was initially very high in my rankings, I think I settled on him at around six or seven in my rankings, which, um, you know, I guess was probably consensus by the end of the draft season. But someone who I was uh, very keen to snatch at the end of that kind of run, I feel like after him, there was a bit of a drop-off in that first round where you could clump a lot of those guards in Lillard, Tyrese Halliburton, Trey Young, even Carl Anthony Towns, who's not looking the best at the moment, but I think he'll be fine, was clumped in there. Um, so for me, he was sort of the end of that little bit of a drop-off. And um, one of the biggest reasons that I had him up that high, and I was very confident to take him inside that top seven, top eight, is because of the second half that we saw from him last season. Now, when the Celtics went on a big run, uh, it was famously that they were 23-22 and uh, halfway through the season and then went on a big tear to finish the season. Um, Tatum was one of the biggest catalysts there, and one of the biggest things that he improved was his efficiency. He started the year shooting very poor from the field last year, um, but came home really, really strong. I think he was shooting close to 50%, if memory serves, in the second half of the season, which very much catapulted his ranking inside the top eight um, to finish the season. So there's no reason for me to think that this... Now, 55% is obviously uh, higher than that, so I don't think he's going to be there, but he could easily be a 50% from the field guy. He is still obviously young, um, and he is getting better every year. So I think that... 30 points a night at 49, 50% from the field is not out of the realms of possibility for Jason Tatum. If he can do that with eight rebounds, get four and a half to five assists, get himself a steal. If he can get close to a block, maybe he's he's doing more shot blocking with Al Horford, Mr. Game. Robert Williams is obviously out for a large portion of this season, so he's playing more power forward this year. So those rebounds and blocks are definitely something that I can see increasing. Maybe not the 1.3 blocks at this level, but it wouldn't surprise me instead of averaging half a block if he averages 0.8, um, you know, that might be something that he can keep up for the entire season. So all good things for Jason Tatum. And uh, really, I just want an excuse to talk about my favorite Celtic uh, on the podcast. And I think that uh, if you were able to get him at the end of the first round or even mid way through the first round, he's doing exactly what you'd hope he would do. And I don't necessarily think that this is... There are elements that are unrealistic to sustain, but there are also elements like the assist that could rise. So his total value, I think, could he could realistically be a top five player in fantasy this year um, with maybe some of the other guys dropping back. But um, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I'm just going to sort of pat myself on the back for where I got him a lot in leagues. Uh, and if you have him in your team, I think that should be something you should be very happy about. The uh, the next uh, award here is... Um, and uh, Guys, I'm having a bit of fun here, so I don't actually think this guy is a loser, but it is the uh, the loser award. Um, just someone who has been frustrating this week, someone who has not lived up to potential. Uh, we'll talk about them and then sort of go from there. So your loser for this week, your fantasy loser is Jamal Murray. La, 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 la. 
So Jamal Murray was someone that I was actually pretty high on going into the season. I dropped him back a little bit going into the last weekend of drafts just because of the injury that he sustained in the preseason. Um, we knew that he was going to be rusty. He's missed a lot of time due to the ACL injury. So he's someone that I think there is going to be a lot of panic about. I'm not necessarily worried about what he's been, or what he's going to eventually become, but it might be more painful than I initially thought until he gets it going. At the moment, it's been pretty awful. Um, 12 points, 2.7 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.3 steals, no blocks, 2.7 turnovers, only hitting 1.33s, shooting 30, 38 from the field and 57 from the free throw line. Just awful numbers. He's the 290th ranked player at the moment uh, in nine category leagues. So yeah, it's it's not what you want. It's obviously not going to be something that's very easy to overcome in a week one matchup. So if you had him in your fantasy roster, it would have been pretty hard to edge out a win in week one. But if you did, congratulations. That's a, that's a nice job. You've obviously got a decent team there. Um, so he's obviously a big drag in a lot of areas. I'm not panicking. I think that he is going to be better. Uh, we knew that he's going to be rusty. It's um, it's rough. It's very rough right now. So if you are not uh, someone who has uh, Jamal Murray on your team, throw out a buy low um, offer out there because I do know that there are a lot of people panicking. Um, but he, he is someone that I do expect to improve as the season goes along. He's, uh, he's not going to shoot 38% from the field. He's not going to shoot 57 from the line. Like That is probably the craziest thing about this. He is an excellent free throw shooter. Uh, the fact that he's shooting 57% from the line is uh, very, very strange for me. The assists are going to rise. The points and the threes are also going to rise as well. So, um, And the minutes will also rise. He's only averaging 26 minutes a night so far through the first uh, four games. He's played three, rested one of them. Um, so, yeah, lots and lots of frustration with Jamal Murray, and understandably so. I didn't think he'd be quite this bad to start the season. So, uh, you know, if I had have thought it'd be this bad, I might have ranked him further back. So maybe a bit of an L on my end. But, again... I, we did know that he was going to be poor to start the season, but he's going to finish the year strong, I do believe. So for me, hold strong on Jamal Murray, but uh, he does cop the L this week for the fantasy loser. And uh, yeah, he's a guy I like, so I've got to be fair and dish him out uh, how I see them. And the last award here, don't have a, a fun soundbite for this one, but it is just basically the Future Fantasy Star Award. And this one goes to no other than uh, fast becoming a my boy in... Uh, in, in fantasy terms, Trey Murphy. Uh, he is someone who I've been shouting on Twitter, if you've been following over there, make sure you roster this guy, must-add guy. He's someone who's starting the year really, really hot. He's shooting the ball extremely efficiently. I've got him in a lot of leagues. He was a guy you could have got with your last pick. He was sometimes left on waiver wires after drafts that I did where sort of uh, I was sort of I think he was left on the waiver wire in the 20 deep um, pro league that we did for FBI. Managed to snag him through a, a decent a, a decent chunk of my fab budget to get him once I moved to play like Fultz to the IR spot. And very, very happy that I did. So far, he is the 49th ranked player. Don't even know if that's included the game he played today where he shot 100% from the field. But uh, averaging 13.3, 7 rebounds, a steal, an assist, only .3 blocks. Uh, one turnover, shooting 51.9% from the field. He's just a super efficient player. 
just super smart. He's he can shoot the lights out. He is such his stroke is so pure and so effortless. Um, look, he's not going to be this good. I would temper expectations, but so far, three games out of his four, he shot um, over three threes, and he's shooting over fifty four percent in three of those games. Um, he's just someone who I would bet on shooting closer to fifty percent than. Uh, 45% if we were to extrapolate for the entire season. He reminds me, I think I said in the preseason that he was a uh, a Michael Porter Jr. light in terms of a stat set. He, he obviously might not have the, quite the athletic upside that Michael Porter Jr. does, but he's probably a better defender. He's probably more versatile on that end. Um, and in terms of the injury history and the injury risk, he's obviously gotten far fewer of that than a uh, Michael Porter Jr. So um, I, I sort of... You know, sarcastically tweeted out that could he be better than Michael Porter Jr.? I don't know if I actually believe that. In fact, I know I definitely don't. But he is someone who I really, really like. And in Dynasty Leagues, I think that if you're able to grab him, um, you'd be loving it. He might honestly be a bit of a sell high right now. I grabbed him, I think, in our 30 Dynasty League, uh, 30 Deep Dynasty League. I grabbed him like 156. Very, very happy with that. Uh, I would probably view him as a top top 100 dynasty kind of a guy, depending on how you view your rookies. The, the question for him is just how much can he be productive outside of the efficient shooting um, threes, rebounds? Can he give you one and a half steals? Can he get you closer to a block per game? Um, can he maybe throw in some playmaking here and there? Um I don't know how realistic that is, and especially on a team like the Pelicans, there's a lot of the ball that needs to go around. It's a pretty deep team, but we've already seen some injuries strike this team. Zion, they're going to be handling with kid gloves. Um, He's going to be someone that whenever he gets the opportunity to play bigger minutes, he will absolutely relish in them. And uh, even when he is not playing big minutes, he's going to be so efficient that I think that he is someone that you can definitely hold on to when those other guys come back. He probably only needs 25 minutes a night. There will be rough times. It won't be this good. And obviously, when his shots aren't falling, he doesn't offer a lot. So keep that in mind. I don't normally like that. Um, So I'm trying not to get myself too excited about this guy. So... Just keep that in mind if people are going crazy and they're hearing me talk about him and they're seeing my tweets and stuff like that and they're viewing him as a top 50 guy uh, like he currently is ranked on Yahoo. Um, that is obviously an opportunity to sell high, but for me, I think he is someone that he's uh, got lots of good fantasy seasons left to come and he is the week one winner of the future Fantasy Star Award. All right, moving on into some hot topics. So it's just some things that I've noticed in the first week of the NBA and first week of fantasy basketball. Um, I'm going to talk a lot about the restings and minutes restrictions for a few key players because obviously we know going into the season, we've got these risky guys that we're trying to avoid. There's rumors about rests and load management with a few of the guys, but we don't actually know what things going to be like until the season starts. So the first and probably the most important one that we're going to talk about here is Kawhi Leonard. Now, um, we'll talk about his news coming up in a second here, but so far in the season, he's been limited to 21 or fewer minutes per game. He's played two games so far. He missed one of the games, the first game of the most recent back-to-back, um, and now has been reportedly experiencing stiffness in his, in his knee and is heading to LA for treatment. Not very good signs. Um, 
he was someone that I wasn't necessarily actively avoiding in drafts, but I didn't end up drafting him anywhere. He dropped down and further down my board just because of one, his playoff schedule was pretty poor. The injury um, and load management was not something I ever really wanted to deal with if I could. Um, but we knew that he had good fantasy upside. There wasn't as much talk, at least before the season, about his minutes being monitored. He's come off the bench the last game, which was very strange, not something they did in preseason. So it's all very weird to me, the way it's being handled, the way it's being talked about. Um, it just makes me feel not very good. Um, he's obviously a guy that's had a lot of issues in the past with dealing with doctors, dealing with um, team medical staff and how they've managed his injuries like on the Spurs. It's... um. Yeah, it it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. I don't I don't know really what you can do with this situation because he's someone who obviously people are very aware of his uh, riskiness. So you're probably not going to be able to execute a trade of of decent enough value to pull the trigger. But yeah, it it doesn't make me feel too great. So at the moment, we're just kind of watching him, um, seeing what becomes of this. It's um you know stiffness in a, a knee after was it must have been sixteen months. Um, since he's had the repair, it's not very good. I mean, we wouldn't expect you to be feeling those kind of symptoms after going through all the rehab that I'm sure he, well, I hope that he's been going through under in a professional team environment um, as a professional athlete, someone who I would expect to be well and truly over that issue by now. But we've seen some weird things. Uh, Jonathan Isaac and his ACL management is is one that comes to mind. Lonzo Ball's management with his knee injuries and, and the surgery that apparently there was a, a caught nerve or something like that. So these things don't always go to plan. Um, very weird to me. Um, it just... It just doesn't sound great. So if I could get a top 30 guy back for Kawhi, I think I probably would do it. Um, If it was a top 40 guy that really suited what you needed, maybe. But again, I don't necessarily want to overreact to this news. It just doesn't... Yeah, if 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 this was the kind of talk that we had in the preseason about him still still feeling stiffness, seeing other doctors and um, minutes limits earlier on the season... He probably would have been further down my board, but um, we only really knew about the the back-to-back restings um, outside of the other sort of stuff. I mean, maybe there was going to be a little bit of minutes, but not coming off the bench, 21 minutes a night kind of minutes restrictions. Maybe he was going to play less than 30, less than 28, but this is this is a bit like well, a fair bit more than I was expecting. So um, luckily, he's not in any of my teams, but unfortunately, if you do have him on your team, I think unless you can execute a, a sell for a top 30 guy, top 35 guy in a perfect build kind of situation, then I think you're just going to have to sit tight, cross your fingers and hope for the best. Uh, yeah, not the best news for Kawhi Leonard, unfortunately. The next guy we're going to talk about here in a positive news, Mike Conley, is uh, he surprisingly played a back-to-back. He was a guy that we thought uh, might get some restings, um, and he might still, but it is encouraging to see that he played both games of a back-to-back uh, most recently. He played 36 minutes on the first night, back it up with 27 minutes in the second night. Um, the Utah Jazz, they're playing really well. They are unfortunately not undefeated anymore. Lost to the Houston Rockets most recently, but 3-1 and one on the season. I don't expect that to continue, but it obviously is they're going out there with the intention to win and play good basketball. Um, a lot of the guys on their team are doing really well, so this bodes well for Conley at least sustaining the good value that he has. We always sort of thought that he was going to beat where he was drafted quite comfortably. I said that in my season guide. Um, 
Um, but at some point, I still expect him to be either traded, shut down, or bought out, or something of, along those lines. Um, so maybe if you can execute a sell high, I'm not sure if you're really able to. He's only sort of averaging, you know, the, the 9.8 points is obviously one that people get put off by. He's the 88th ranked player in Yahoo's uh, fantasy nine category rankings. So really, really good value. You would have drafted him outside the top 110 uh, in most scenarios. So I think you just take it and win it. And then, you know, if he ever does come back to earth and he's resting games, it's not as big of a loss because you didn't spend as much to grab him. So a nice surprise for Mike Connolly. Let's talk about Zach Levine. I don't know how much I've spoken. I think I spoke about him once in the most recent podcast, but he's back playing since I talked about him last. Rested the first couple of games due to uh, knee management, um, which was obviously a very weird one. I considered myself officially concerned. I'm still obviously concerned, but the fact, again, he's come out first game back after that knee management plays 28 minutes in a blowout loss. Interesting. No real minutes restriction there. The next game, two days later against Boston, 32 minutes. So doesn't seem to be like there's not any minutes restriction. It says that uh, Billy Donovan um, doesn't think that there's any minutes restriction for Levine. Um, you know, they're sort of... I guess just playing whatever they feel like. So it's it's really really weird. I mean the Bulls they've been they've been a bit untrustworthy with this kind of a stuff, but um, at the moment it doesn't look like there's much really here. If we can get a good couple of weeks of Levine production, I might see if I can execute a sell high and get a top fifty guy back for him, just because. Just the way the Bulls have been handling all of these things, I don't necessarily trust. Um, so that might be something you might want to execute if you feel uneasy like I do. Um, but again, it, it is an encouraging sign that he is playing 30-plus um, minutes, at least for his day-to-day per-game production. But I've always got that one in the back of my mind just because I just don't trust the Bulls' organization when it comes to their injuries um, the last couple of seasons. They've been doing a few weird things that I don't really... I don't really like. So that's Zach Levine. Michael Porter Jr. is questionable for tomorrow with back maintenance. Um, So he looks like he might be someone that gets some rest throughout the season. It's not even a back-to-back, I don't believe. Let me just double-check that. I don't think it's a back-to-back. It's just a potential scheduled rest day. No, so no back-to-backs. You know, game, a day either side rest. So that is obviously... I don't think it's something we're going to see you know, a scheduled every back-to-back kind of a thing, but it is something to keep in mind for Michael Porter Jr. that he might be someone that does rest a decent amount this season. Um, I don't think you really have to do anything with it, but just one to notice. Um, we talked about Jamal Murray before, but he did miss the first game of back-to-backs. I expect that at some point this year he isn't resting back-to-backs, but it looks like, especially with his play, that he will be doing this for a little while longer. So unfortunately for you Jamal Murray owners out there, it is going to be a bit rougher uh, for a little while longer. And then the last guy here I want to talk about was Al Horford. He missed the second game of a back-to-back due to back stiffness. I'm not sure if this is like a planned scheduled rest. It doesn't It doesn't strike me as that. I think it was more just, um, you know, being conservative with him if there was a legitimate thing that, that propped up. Um, they don't have very much depth behind Al Horford with Robert Williams in. I think there was some quotes earlier in the preseason saying that Al Horford said he's going to be playing back-to-back minutes. So I don't think this is going to become a regular scheduled thing. Um, but it might just be that if there's anything going on with him, that they will just sit him down and rest him. So, again, hopefully you drafted him closer to that, like, pick 100, 
kind of 90s range, and I think there's still decent value. Um, he is someone who's not going to score you points. We knew this, so don't get discouraged by that fact. He is having a slower start to the season, but I expect things to, to pick back up. The assists should rise, and the blocks should also rise as well. Um, those are two things that he is known for being a positive contributor in, and he hasn't done that yet, but I do expect that to improve, and I think also the um, the minutes will also improve when he's out there. So uh, 23 minutes in the first game, 33, 25, I expect to be in in the high 20s as opposed to the low 20s and what we're seeing at the moment. So I think that Al Horford should be fine. Let's talk about the waiver wire. Could I go through these first ones a little bit quicker? These are the must-add players, must-roster these guys. Um, they might be owned in your league if you're in a competitive league like myself. I don't think any of these guys are available. I have checked. Um, but in case they are available, go and screw them up right now. Ask questions later. So, must-roster players um, in order of their Yahoo ownership percentage. So, Santi Aldama, must-roster player. He was someone that I was keen on drafting. He's going to be great until Jaron Jackson Jr. arrives. And even when he comes back, he might have a chance to holding his value. But definitely own and add Santi Aldama. Even if he has a bad performance, don't drop him. Um, he is going to continue to do this until JJJ is back. Kelly Olinick, 59%. Why is he so low? I think he had the first game. We talked about it in the last podcast with the foul trouble. Don't. Hopefully you didn't drop him. I told you guys, don't drop him. Uh, 59%, that should be much, much higher. Add Kelly Olinick. Onyeka Okongu, I still think is a must-roster player. He is not going to be excellent every night. He is, going to, he is a backup, okay? But he is good enough in blocks, field goal percentage, and rebounds to have value in that backup role. And he is your lottery ticket that if you know if anything ever happens to Clint Capella, if he ever gets that starting role off Clint Capella either, he is going to absolutely skyrocket in value and um, that could be a league-winning move. And I don't think he's hurting you too much to be sitting around on your waiver wire. So I think that especially, unless you're punting all three of those categories, um, and Yoko Okongru is someone that I think absolutely should not be on your waiver wire. Same kind of story with Isaiah Hartenstein. He was really good in that first game, a little bit more disappointing since. So that first game, we knew that he wasn't going to be that good. It was it was a bit of a tease, um, but he is someone that doesn't need big minutes to get to get value. He was, I think, a top 110 player in 21 minutes a night last season. It comes off the back of rebounds, blocks, decent assists for a center, good field goal percentage. He will do better than the last couple of games. Um, so 21 minutes, 18 minutes. He's not going to be taking over Mitchell Robinson, um, his starting role, probably anytime soon just on his own play. But like on that first game, you can see moments and games here and there where he's going to absolutely explode. And even sometimes like uh, Okongwu in the backup role, he's still valuable enough to um, to be on your roster. So uh, 53% owned on uh, Yahoo. I think that needs to be much higher. My guy that we mentioned earlier, Trey Murphy, 46% owned. I imagine that's going to skyrocket after today's performance. He did go um, 100% from the field. Don't expect that to happen. You know, he's shooting really, really well. He's probably going to cool off, but especially when Zion's out, I think Ingram's out with concussion protocol. Even Herb Jones was a late scratch today. So lots and lots of opportunity here for him. He's going to get big minutes, lots of threes, um, efficient shooting, good rebounds. He should get you over a steal per game as well. 
absolutely must roster Trey Murphy. I also think that Walker Kessler is a must roster player. He's only owned in 41% of Yahoo leagues. He is someone, again, kind of similar to those other big guys. He's doing enough in a backup role to be worth a roster spot. He played very poorly in the last game. He's probably someone that might have been dropped in your league, but I I would not be dropping him. He is someone who doesn't need a whole lot of minutes. A block... Uh, block rate is absolutely elite. And if you need his blocks, if you need the field goal percentage and the rebounds, much like those other bigs, he is going to be providing enough value as a bench player. And on a Utah team, when they stop winning all these games, which I don't think that they're going to continue doing, he is someone that could get extended run down the stretch of the season. Um, and, you know, you might even see some rest with some of these older guys like Olinik and those kind of types. Um, so he is someone that I think can have spot starts and put up great numbers in those opportunities. If there's any foul trouble like that first game, he's going to come in there, you know, in 24 minutes, 12, 10. Um, he didn't have any blocks that game, but I imagine, you know, the next game he had four blocks in 18 minutes. So he is someone that is an elite person minute guy and can be valuable even as a backup but if he ever becomes a starter or ever gets over sort of 22 24 minutes per night he's going to smash um you know waiver wire level value he's going to be a top 100 guy easily so i think that he is someone worthwhile holding on to and just um you know at least for a little bit longer until you know maybe he's completely out of the rotation or if he's getting 15 16 or fewer minutes um but even in like 18 to 20 minutes a night Absolutely someone who could still be on your roster. So for me, Walker Kessler is a must-add player. Dennis Smith Jr. is an add as well. He's a short-term add whilst we don't have any um, Terry Rozier with his ankle injury and LaMelo Ball is still out as well. So whilst those guys are out, um, probably one of the best defensive steals, um, blocks for a guard. He'll give you some decent assists. The efficiency and turnovers will be pretty rough, but I think the raw numbers will justify having him. So he's only owned in 38% of Yahoo leagues. And another short-term guy, Precious Achua. Uh, while Scotty Barnes is out, he's going to get extended run. They're going to play the the center, a more traditional center, with a few of those other guys shifting down. So for me, Precious and Dennis Smith Jr. are must-add guys for now but they probably will quickly, once those other guys come back, you can drop them down. But absolutely, for the short term, those two guys are must-add guys. Um, these next list guys here are the maybe-ads slash watch lists. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily have to be your team, but if they fit what you need, most of these guys have a good, decent amount of upside as well. And if it suits what you're looking for, I think these guys can be added on in, in some situations. So for me, at 48% rostered, Derek White, he obviously had that really, really good performance. Um, what did he get? 27 points, was it? Let me just look this one up. Um, I think, what did he shoot? What is that, 100% from the field? Sorry, 50, yeah, 58% from the field against Orlando. Um, 27 points, five threes, four rebounds, four assists, a steal. He's not going to be that good. And and I prefaced that on Twitter when I said that I think he's an ad. He's not going to be that good. The thing that is, does encourage me is the minutes. I didn't think he'd be getting quite this many minutes. So far, he's averaging 28 minutes a night. Um, probably boosted a little bit by that game where it was Al Horford out and he played 37. The rest have been sort of around that 25 minute per night. So he's on the borderline, but he should be still able to provide decent enough assists, steals, 
and blocks for a point guard. Um, might be able to hit you a three and a half to two threes per game. So if that's useful for your team, he's someone that could be added. Uh, it's tough, especially if you're in like those locked on fantasy basketball type uh, leagues where you're having 14 roster spots in a 12 team league. There's 160 plus players that are on rosters. Then you've got all the guys on IR spots. So you're probably looking at 170, 175 guys added in your league. So there's usually not a whole lot of great value out there and not a whole lot of guys that you can trust with minutes. So for Derek White, he is someone that looks like he's going to be getting decent minutes and his fantasy game is not too bad. He is someone that obviously being on the Celtics compared to the Spurs last year is not as good for him, but uh, I think we do forget how how decent he is for fantasy, especially on the defensive end uh, and his defensive stats and assists. So I think that he is someone, even though he had a poor performance the last game, I think he's someone you can still hold if you need those assists and steals and a little bit of threes there. The next guy we'll talk about here, Jalen Duran, is a maybe ad slash watch list Compared to the other guys I mentioned in the must-add list, Duran is probably the least likely for me to hold on to if there's another guy out there. Um, he's he's still playing as a backup, playing about 23 minutes per night. He's really good. I really like me some Jalen Duran. I just don't know if he is trustworthy enough just yet. If I was feeling pretty good about how I'm sitting, I liked my team as it was, um, I, I personally like to hold on to these high upside guys a little bit longer than most just because, you know, you never know when there's going to be like an injury or something that happens and it, all it takes is an Isaiah Stewart rolled ankle and uh, Jalen Duran could put up top 75 numbers for a good stretch and he might not nev- ever give that job back. So for me, as long as I'm not, you know, falling way behind in the standings, I tend to hold on to these guys for a little bit longer than most because you just don't usually find the upside that a player like this presents. So for me, Jalen Duran, in most situations when you need blocks and rebounds and field goal percentage, I would probably be adding him and just riding the bumps early in the season and, and just hoping that he can do enough in that time. And, and uh, you know, maybe it's not the best at the moment, but there is upside if there is an injury or they do just decide and realize that they're really not very good and he is probably their best future center. So Jalen Duran at 44%. I understand if you have dropped him, if you really need production right now and you're struggling and, and you're in a tough competitive league. So he's, he's not in the must-add section for that reason, but for me, I would probably still be holding on to him if I picked him up earlier in the season or I drafted him with my late pick. Um, Royce O'Neal is the next guy on this list. He's doing well right now with the defensive stats and efficiency, but I don't know if it's going to keep up. He's fine to kind of stream in for those steals, maybe a three, three and a half per game. Um, But I don't know if it's going to last. If I'm wrong, add him and and sort of see what you got. He's not going to score much. So if you're punting points, then it's probably a little bit more attractive. So I don't hate it, but I think he's definitely not the highest upside guy on this list. Um, Nick Richards is the next guy here, 36% rostered on Yahoo Leagues. He is someone, you know, again, we've talked about Mark Williams. Uh, that doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon. But Nick Richards might be the one that takes over the uh, Plumley role, which we've been clamoring for someone to do because Plumley, uh, I can't believe he's still starting in NBA games, uh, really. Uh, and, and Nick Richards has looked like he's got some kind of per game, uh, per minute fantasy appeal. So if I'm looking for some big man stats, I think there's a decent flyer to take on Nick Richards. Very similar to like a Jalen Duran, um, just someone that has some good upside. And if something happens, an injury, or Dwayne Casey just finally realizes that um, Plumlee is just not that good and um, you know makes the switch, then or even if it's like a 24-24 minute split, 
uh, it could be enough for Richards to be decent enough in fantasy. So I think that uh, Nick Richards is someone that if I'm, you know, there's not a whole lot else on the waiver wire, he, he could be someone that has at least a little bit of upside for me to grab. Uh, Patrick Beverly, I was surprised to see this. There's only 20% rostered on uh, Yahoo sites. So for me, that's, um, that's less than I would have thought. Now, he is someone that obviously doesn't score a whole lot. He's inefficient, so that probably puts a lot of people off. But the reason you add Patrick Beverly is for defensive stats. So Patrick Beverly so far... Um, as I pull his name up here, is averaging 2.3 steals, 1.3 blocks. He's the 105th ranked player, and he's only scoring five points per game, and he's shooting 20%. So that 20% will rise. It'll probably double, in fact. Um, So that will go from five points probably to like 10 points. And those steals won't be at 2.3 per game, but they might be at 1.5, 1. 1.6. 1. Um, he might get close to a block per game, so I think he can be a top 100 guy. Don't expect the scoring. Don't expect efficient shooting from him. Um, but the steals and blocks and a little bit more assists, I think, also might be available. Russell Westbrook is doubtful with a hamstring issue, so you might see some more playmaking from him. Um uh, side note, Russell Westbrook, we'll talk about him later. But I think that there's the fact that he's only rostered in 20% of Yahoo leagues is far too little, in my opinion. I'm sure a lot of you guys out there could use um, some Beverly steals, assists, and threes. Um, don't worry about the points. Of course, you're probably not going to find many points on the waiver wire anyway. So, you know, you might go and chase uh, Catavis Caldwell-Pope, and he gives you five points a night anyway. So uh, I think that Patrick Beverly will at least guarantee you some good assists and steals numbers. So I think he is a good add in certain spots. Um, the next guy here, Io Sumnu, has been up and down um, so far this year. He's rostered in 60% of Yahoo League. So chances are he's already picked up. He's the 58th ranked player so far, but it's been a he's had two really good games and then two pretty pretty trash games. The last game, he scored 22 points, but he did it on 90% shooting. He, he is a guy that is efficient. I think he, um, in the minutes given him, to him last year when he was playing 30-plus a night, he did shoot about 50% from the field. It's very low usage, so it's not a huge boost to that category, but it's obviously not going to hurt you. I don't think his upside is all that high, especially now that Zach Levine is back. If Zach Levine had some more issues with his knees and they were resting him a bit more, it would help Iota Sumnu. So he is someone that probably should be added. But I also don't think he's a must-add player. So he's not quite in that tier of those guys that we talked about before. And if those there are any other the other guys that I mentioned in that tier, I'd probably be happy to drop him for those guys. Um, uh, unless maybe it's one of those short-term guys and you don't really need the short-term stream and you want someone a bit more long-term. Um, new might be okay there, but... Interesting for me about how he's performing. I don't. I'm not expecting. I think it's somewhere between the um, the two performances of him playing really well and the two performances performances of him doing uh, pretty poorly. So I mean, he's averaging 12.8 uh, points, 5.3 rebounds, 2.8 assists, a steal, and he's doing it efficiently. So those numbers actually don't seem ridiculous. It spits him out as the 58th ranked player. I don't know if he's going to hit 2.33s um, per game. I don't think he's that good of a shooter. So maybe that falls away a little bit, but he should probably be on your roster, but just be ready for ups and downs because it's not always going to be like last game. Um, there will be obviously some poor performances mixed in there. And um, the last couple of guys here, a couple of guards that I am very much keen on. The first guy here, Trey Mann, had a good game today. Um, obviously, there's some... Um, 
Injuries going along, uh, injuries going along over on OKC with Josh Giddy uh, didn't play today. Um, Shea Gilles Alexander did, but still with Shea in the team, Trey Mann was, uh, I think he led the team in, in shot attempts. He, 25 points, four assists, two steals, two threes, 100% from the free throw line. He's a guy that I was really keen on in the pre-draft process. His fantasy game isn't as friendly as what I think he is as an impactful scorer. He's very Jordan Clarkson-esque in terms of, it's a lot of scoring. It might be some threes and free throw percentage, but not a whole lot else. Maybe he can contribute a little bit more in steals. So in the short term, while Giddy is out, or you know, there's going to be some few rests and injuries along the way with OKC. I think that Trey Man is a guy that can give you some decent scoring and threes, uh, and maybe some assists from this OKC team, which really lacks a lot of talent. Um, there, there's he might be one of the guys that can carve out a decent enough role to be a back end guy. Upside isn't super high, so you know. He's probably maybe one of my least favorite guys that I've mentioned here today, but I did want to mention him whilst Giddy is at least out for the time being. And then the last guy that I'm absolutely at least watching, um, I've actually still held him in my Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Emmanuel Quickly is someone that I've I've obviously liked, and I've mentioned him a few times in the preseason. I like his fantasy game. He's had uh, two, well, one horrible game. The first game of the season played 17 minutes, didn't score a point, only put up three rebounds and nothing else. He then backed it up with a 20-point game, seven rebounds, seven assists, three threes, 100% from the free throw line, 57% from the field in 27 minutes. So, okay, awesome, let's go. And then his last game, again, failed to score 0%, but got six rebounds, eight assists, and a steal in 23 minutes. It's interesting. Um, Derek Rose isn't playing as much. That's good for him. Now, we are still expecting Quinton Grimes to come back at some point. So I want to see how that plays out. Evan Fournier hasn't been good really by any stretch. So I I hold out a little bit of hope that maybe quickly can overtake Fournier at some point in terms of minutes played. And if he does, he does have enough value and good per game production to be worthwhile, especially in certain builds. Like if you're punting blocks or punting field goal percentage or both, um, he's a good guy to have at the end of your roster because he can give you some points, threes, and assists, which are hard to find on the waiver wire. So I think that he is someone in certain builds. You're at least watching him, um, and I'm still holding him because in the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball, again, we're going 175 players deep. There's just not a lot of upside on the waiver wire that I'm really happy with right now. So for me, I'm just going to hold him and just sort of see how it goes. He's going to sit on my bench on busy days, and hopefully I can catch those performances like the other day where he goes off for 27-7, and shoots three threes, and uh, those will happen from time to time. Uh, it, It might come to a point where we can't hold any longer, but so far, so good, and I'm happy to hold for a bit more unless there's a huge um, major must-add guy out there. There's not a lot of guys that have the upside that um, quickly has, and there's there's reasonable um, ways for him to get onto the court to produce at that level. All right, let's finish up the last couple of segments here. Droppable players. We'll go through these guys a bit quicker. Russell Westbrook is a droppable player to me. Um, are we seeing the beginning of the end? He's got he's doubtful hamstring tightness, I think, or or hamstring management or whatever you want to call it. Um, Something from the preseason, the fact that he's played all the games so far, didn't miss any time with that preseason hamstring injury. This seems a little suspect to me. He's been awful. He's been so bad. Like... And he just, he, I'm convinced he will never, ever learn. He will never, ever get it. He just doesn't understand 
why people think he's not good. And there are people out there that still will defend him. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you guys out there listening to me right now will be defending him, saying that he's just on the wrong team and it's you know the Lakers' fault and he's, he's still a guy that can give you 20, 10, and 10. But I just don't see it anymore, guys. He can't shoot. He can't finish. He turns the ball over. He's, um, he's a terrible defender. Look, I think you can drop him in category leagues. In a points league, I think you hold on to him. I think he's better in that kind of a format, and you hold on to him. Again, there's probably not much more upside on your waiver wire, but in a category league, I just, I'm not about this guy. I honestly think in a month's time, he, he just won't be playing. He, he just won't play um, again at all. Like, it's a bold take, but is it really? Like, sometimes these things just happen. He's just, he's just... The end is just going to come really quickly for Russell Westbrook, and uh, I think that we might. Maybe it's early. Maybe maybe I'm I'm jumping to shadows, but I think this could be the start of it, and um, it wouldn't shock me at all. James Wiseman owned in sixty nine percent of Yahoo leagues. I know everyone likes James Wiseman. I'm recording this at the halftime of the Warriors game. He actually had a good first half, so. You know, I just, I just don't. I'm not, not a big Wiseman fan in terms of his ability to get on the court. He, he's doing all right, and Draymond Green is struggling. So, you know, maybe not. You don't drop these guys for nothing. But I think if there is a good player like one of those other guys I mentioned in the must roster players, I'm absolutely fine dropping these guys. I think there's probably too high ownership on these players here. So, 69% for James Wiseman. I just don't think he's going to get to the floor enough this season. Um, and he's not that good of a fantasy guy. He's not that versatile like an Okongwu, like a um, Hartenstein, where they have other strengths to their bow. Hartenstein with his um, ability to get assists and, and steals as a big guy. Okongwu, who's who's a bit more reliable in terms of the minutes. He's going to get 20-plus per night, give you the, the over a block, you know, a block and a half in that sort of time. So I think that Wiseman doesn't quite reach the levels of those players and doesn't have the upside of those players either or the pathway to get to the starting um, amount of minutes that would require him to really blow up that you would be holding him through these kind of down patches for. So uh, I think Wiseman is a drop. Harrison Barnes, I never had him on my um, uh, fantasy uh, drafts, a season draft guide at all. Never cracked the top 156. Just don't think I'd bother. There's no reason to hold him. He doesn't do anything outside of score, and even he's not doing that very well. So uh, with... with um, Keegan Murray coming to the team, Harrison Barnes, just no point. 65% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. No thanks. See you later. Brandon Clark, 62%. I think you can drop him. If you really desperately need his field goal percentage, he's not the worst guy to hold. Like You can hold these guys, but I, this is your license to drop this player. If you want to grab someone, if you want to stream the position, I think it's fine. I don't think that Brandon Clark is a guy that we, we want to absolutely hold through all of this... Um, Low minutes. He's not averaging over 20 minutes per night. He was very high on the bus show. Um, and it's probably gone just as bad as we, we were expecting. So at 62% rostered, I think you could probably do better by streaming that position in most circumstances. DeAndre Hunter is someone that I'm not a big fan of in terms of fantasy. He's a very empty stats guy, very empty points player. 57% rostered. He came off to that first big game. Uh, but it was never going to be sustainable. So I think he's someone you can drop. Dorian Finney-Smith, um, conversely, like these other guys, I actually like Dorian Finney-Smith. He was top 100 last year. Um, you know, a lot of that is sort of low turnovers, efficient. He gets you a steal, but he's not doing it at the moment. He's still getting big minutes. I thought there was an opportunity for maybe him to step forward with the absence of Jalen Brunson. 
but obviously Christian Wood has taken a lot of that usage, um, and um, Spencer Dinwiddie has taken a lot of that usage. So he's he's getting big minutes, but not doing anything with it. So you can move on from Dorian Finney-Smith. Alex Caruso was ranked at 100. He was a big bust. I don't know why that was the case, but uh, he's moved back to the bench with Zach Levine back now. He's really only a steel streamer, and um, you can probably just cycle through that position. And then Norman Powell, I've had a few questions. Is it okay to drop him? Absolutely is okay to drop him. 48% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Yeah, he's just not doing enough. The minutes aren't there. And this this Clippers team is just too deep for a lot of... The only real guys you're having on this team are Kawhi, PG, and Vita Zubac. They're the only guys that I think are must-hold players at all costs. So last segment for today, guys. A couple of guys that I'm on the fence about. And I want to get your thoughts. So in the comment section below, if you're watching on YouTube, let me know what you're doing with these players. If you have them on your roster, let me know what you're doing. The first guy I'm going to talk about here is Colin Sexton. He is rostered in 86% of Yahoo leagues. He was a guy that, you know, we saw him go up rankings and he went up my rankings when the trade initially happened. He was coming off the bench in the preseason, so I dropped him back down. I probably should have dropped him further, to be honest, in retrospect. Uh, I can't remember if I still had him in the top 100. He might have just been around pick 100 for me. Um, But he, I I don't know... Mike Conley's playing back-to-backs. He's playing well. They're winning basketball games. now. Again, I don't expect that to continue, but Colin Sexton, to me, is just not that good. Um, People might disagree. He can score, and that's great, but especially when it comes to fantasy, he's very empty, doesn't get you steals, gets you no blocks, um, no rebounds. He's not a big assist guy either. He's not really a point guard. He's more of a scoring shooting guard kind of type. Um, He can be efficient-ish, but... Doesn't hit a lot of threes at high volume either. So for me, the payoff and the upside of holding Colin Sexton now while he's sucking and not playing the minutes you need, it's just not worth it. So for me, unless you're in a really deep league or there's really just nothing on your waiver wire, I'm fine with dropping Colin Sexton and um, I think you can fold him. So I think that, yeah, as painful as it is if you spent a top 80 pick on him, I don't think he's necessarily worth holding on to through all this crap because it, it could be a long time before he sees um, starters minutes, minutes into the high 20s, 30s, which he will need to get value because even when he plays uh, and scores 25 per night, he, it's tough for him to crack the top 100, even in that kind of a role because he doesn't do anything else. And when he doesn't have that, he doesn't have the usage. It, it's just there's nothing really he's doing for you. So you really just, it's a luxury stash at this point. Um, and I think that, yeah, for me, Colin Sexton, hold or fold, I'm putting him in the fold bucket for myself personally. The next guy here is a very good debate, um, Isaiah Jackson. Now, when Miles Turner went down, everyone, uh, including myself, uh, went went pretty crazy. And we sort of went, okay, make sure Isaiah Jackson is rostered in your league. 100% go and grab this guy. He is absolutely a must-add guy. It hasn't really worked out the way we wanted it to. He is someone that when his ranking was pushed up, I think it was 85 that it pushed up to at its highest. I was pushing back on that. I like the player. I like him very much. He's a good fantasy guy. But there's been no indication from the paces yet that he is going to be their franchise center so far. Um, They play uh, Goga Badatse minutes over him. 
Um, they literally went out and signed DeAndre Ayton, which I've said a number of times. So they're not viewing him at this moment in time as their starting center, and they're going to give him 28 minutes per night. And they've been very reluctant to do that. In the last two games, he has started, but even in that time, 22 minutes, 18 minutes. He's still doing okay. He's still he's the 168th ranked player. He's still giving you 1.8 blocks per game. He's shooting 50% from the field. Um, you know the rebounds and steals aren't as th- there as we would have liked. Um, he's had a couple of foul uh, issue games. Um, 16 minutes in the first two games as well. Even with Miles Turner not there coming off the bench. Um, so not really what we'd hope to see. The fact that this is happening with Miles Turner not there is the most discouraging thing because we thought, okay, as soon as Miles Turner's gone, he's going to give us top 50 numbers. Hasn't happened. Um, it's still, I'd imagine that even when Miles Turner comes back in, he's basically going to keep doing what he's been doing. Um, so he's, he's a fine back end guy to hold, but perhaps that like super high upside that we thought was there. Maybe just isn't. It, it's hard. It, I'm I'm less confident in it happening than I probably was at the start of the preseason because um, we've had now evidence of Miles Turner not playing and he hasn't blown up yet. And 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 it really is just because of the minutes. It, he gets 28, 30 minutes a night. He smashes this. He's a great permanent guy. But the reluctance, like the severe, uh, like reluctance to give him that minutes, even when there's nothing in his way does discourage me a little bit. I personally am holding him still. If you grant him, you need you wanted the blocks, you wanted the field goal percentage, he's given that to you. Even in limited minutes, we were expecting the minutes to be poor to start the season, and it's it's basically played out exactly the way that we thought it was going to play out. The only issue is that obviously Miles Turner hasn't been there, and it's still played out the way that we thought it was going to play out when Miles Turner was there. Um, I'm still holding. Again, he's probably got a far higher upside than anyone available on your waiver wire. I'm in the camp. Again, I like to hold on to those high upside guys a bit longer than most, um, but for Isaiah Jackson, he's still providing basically end of 12 round uh, value for, for most teams. So for me, I think that he is a fine hold. Two more guys we're going to talk about. John Wall is the next one. Uh, hold or fold, John Wall. I'm in the fold camp. I, I'm not as much in the fold camp with John Wall as I am with a Colin Sexton. I think there's a little bit more to go for John Wall. He's he's obviously not ranking very well at the moment. He's the 299th ranked player so far, so that suggests that he's pretty much a fold. But with the Kawhi news and all that kind of murkiness, there is a little bit of upside. He does look pretty decent out there. The minutes obviously still low, but um, Again, it's just this Clippers roster. So if you were to drop him, I'm very 50-50 with this one. I think that if you need what he brings, which is some decent scoring and some decent assists, maybe he gets you a steal per game as well. The efficiency is going to be poor and the turnovers are going to be high. So there's there's areas that he hurts you in, but if you can accommodate for that or you just don't care and you're punting those categories, he can do okay stuff for you. But I don't think the... Uh, Upside is super high, and I think there's going to be minutes limits. He's obviously, he rested um, the first night of a back-to-back the other day as well, so he is going to be managed throughout the season. So for me, he's a very tentative uh, fold. Uh, yeah, probably more in the fold wagon than I am the hold, but if again, if there's no real upside, he, he's okay, I guess, to have at the end of your bench. And then the last guy here, Malcolm Brogdon, has been... 
Um, he hasn't been blowing uh, blowing us away with what he's started the season with. I thought that we would be getting a little bit more from him. I thought the minutes might be a little bit higher. His highest minutes so far this season has been 25 in that game that um, Al Horford did miss. 24 on the first night, 25 that game with Al Horford gone, and then 21 and 22 in the last two games. So... I thought that he'd be playing a bit more. Derek White, I thought he'd be getting the minutes Derek White is getting, basically, is what I, I thought was going to be happening. Still might happen. He looks decent out there, but I thought the assists might be a little bit higher. Um, after that first game, the efficiency has dropped away. I think, for me, he's probably still a hold. I think, like like I've said a few times, there's not probably many guys on the waiver wire that have the upside that he does have. And I think that, the minutes do have a scope to increase. He obviously, injuries have been a thing for him in the past, so maybe there's a, a bit of managing his minutes to start the season, but a little bit disappointing from what I've seen so far, but Malcolm Brogdon, but not disappointing enough for me to drop him. He's the 187th ranked player so far. Again, these rankings, they all don't mean very much to start the season because there's so much fluctuation still yet to happen with uh, percentages, turnovers, and steals and all those sort of things. But just wanted to um, uh, talk a bit about Malcolm Brogdon because I do get a lot of questions about these kind of players and what they should do. In most cases, I'm holding Malcolm Brogdon unless there's one of those guys that I mentioned before are a must-roster player and uh, I can grab someone with a higher upside and, uh, and take a swing there. Or if I'm looking for something completely different. If I'm looking for a big man instead and I want a different stat set, I don't necessarily think he's a must-hold guy, but in most cases, I, I usually am holding Malcolm Brogdon. That will uh, that'll do it for us today, guys. A bit of a longer podcast, but I think these um, these recap shows will be a bit longer. Coming up in the next few days, we're going to have some buy-low targets, some sell-high targets. We're also going to be talking about um, some more recaps, some Dynasty podcasts. I expect to be coming some point this season. I want to do a little bit more with that sort of thing um, as I'm doing more and more Dynasty stuff in my real-life draft. So look forward to that, guys. Make sure if you aren't already, make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. Give the video a big old thumbs up. Rate us on iTunes if you haven't before and I will catch you guys next time. Laters.